Hello everyone, welcome to the 16th episode of the Frameworks and Flywheels podcast. In this episode, we discuss commission-free and discount brokerages, such as Robinhood in the US and Zerotha in India. For this episode, we are joined by a friend, Suresh Singer, as we discuss some of the intricacies of the business model of these broker houses. We hope that you enjoy listening to the episode. Happy listening. Hello everyone, welcome to the 16th episode of Frameworks and Flywheels podcast. This is Achyut. And this is Chaitanya. So Chaitanya, what's uh, what's up? Uh, it's still in uh, quarantine. You're working uh, remote these days. Uh, so anything uh, uh, latest that caught your uh, caught your attention uh, in, in that that came up in the news? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, one thing that's actually come up, and I think you're seeing a story every day, and I've been kicking myself for it, is uh, Reliance is raising some insane amount of money, right, from private sources, right? And I think the stock price is showing a similar reaction as well, right, after that, after the dip during the initial part of the lockdown. Right, I've been right. kicking myself because, I, I mean, I have terrible timing with these things, and I haven't been investing of late. But uh, I thought that that's, that got me thinking, and I thought that's a great, uh, you can actually talk about the tech connection here, which is that, um, when I was thinking about the whole trading angle, that we could talk about discount brokerages, and you know, it's a, it's a very finance-heavy topic that we haven't really discussed before. And right, right. for that, I thought we could have a friend of ours uh, on board, uh, Suyash. Uh, welcome, Suyash. Hi, guys. Happy to be here. Yeah. So I mean, he's our fin uh, finance expert, and you know, we're hoping right. that he can give us some gyan on this tech meets finance, um, you know, area that you know. That probably holds a lot of promise. So, Suresh, before we start off, like, are you invested in Reliance? Are you well invested in Reliance? Uh, <laughs> I wish I was directly, but uh, I think, uh, like most of uh, the Indian population, I think if I do have an investment in uh, Reliance, it is via some blue chip uh, mutual funds, but uh, uh, not directly. I hope I was. But do you do a lot of direct investing via many of these? Zero brokerage apps. Yes, uh, in fact, my first DMAT account was with one of the leading players in the market, Zeroda. Nice. Uh, I do. Oh, have... So Zeroda was your first DMAT account, is it? Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, because I think when we were back in college, I think uh, it was a time yeah. when uh, yeah. you want to be associated with an application which is uh, a little bit more user friendly and also uh, doesn't uh, hit you hard in terms of trading fees. Right. Right. So, so when when was this? Uh, actually, when did you f- uh, start your account? Two thousand fifteen. I think two thousand fifteen. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I I always had you marked as as a person who would have had a DMAT account for for a decade or so, uh, yeah. and invested into equities. You were part of the the club that did uh, let's say formally invested into into uh, uh, yeah. So, yeah so before twenty fifteen, it was my uh, mother's account I used to trade with. Uh, right. I think it was time to diversify onto your own. So yeah. Oh, was she like your Dolly Kumar? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, she, but she, she, she wasn't very happy with the fact that I used to trade with her own account. Trade with when I when I felt it's it's time that possibly I had my own thing. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and possibly possibly you would have wanted to move out of. Uh, uh, let's say PSU heavy investments, right? Into NTPC and things like that. <laughs> yes, and, <laughs> and more importantly, ties up with the very fact that my mother's account was one uh, was held with one of the large uh, securities company associated with the bank. 
and it was with uh, uh, HDFC Securities. Okay, uh, right. And uh, HDFC Securities, which is a great in terms of giving you a lot of advisory stock recommendations, but they're not very fanciful in terms of uh, providing you a great experience if you're a user and trying to place orders, and also not great if you're looking for value in terms of trading. So actually, that's a great point. Like we can actually jump right in, then and maybe rewind a little bit. And uh, what is it with these discount brokerages? Why are they so hot right now, right? both in India and in the US? Right, Robinhood and, uh, is like quite the rage. And uh, even here, right, there's like there's not just zero that. There's also Upstocks and Five Paisa. And uh, I think a year ago, zero that took over um, as the most popular broker brokerage. Uh, overall, right? Like beating like yes. the large institutional uh, vendors, or I don't, I'm not sure what to call them. Uh, so, can you sort of give us like a broad picture, like wait, what exactly sets them apart so so much, and why is there this boom now in the last say four or five years? Yeah, so I think uh, brokerage as an industry has obviously been here for centuries now. I think uh, they are basically matchmakers of your buy and sell orders, and right. they route your orders to the exchanges where. Uh, your orders get executed and you get shares previously in material form in terms of physical paper and now in dematerialized form in terms of DMAT accounts. Uh, I think Charles Schwab uh, in 1970s in America started uh, having this discount brokerage as a phenomenon and that was the first time when you started hearing more about it. And the fundamental difference between a full service and a discount brokerage is pretty much like a full service airline and a no frills airline. Uh, obviously, there are certain features which are afforded in uh, full brokerage accounts and full brokerage services, which might be your uh, investment advisory, stock tips, uh, uh, reports, and everything. And you have a hand-holding relationship manager who is able to guide you through the trading and investment process. Uh, discount brokerages uh, came on the pretext of having very low fees because they would not have any kind of advisory desk. Uh, so they would save on all the cost. And all that cost would be passed on to the customers by saying that uh, we are basically giving you rock bottom trading fees uh, and uh, making it so easy for you in terms of placing orders. Obviously, in 1980s and 1990s, the original discount brokerages would still have uh, you calling to uh, uh, your uh, broking relationship manager via call and you will be placing an order. Uh, now the new age discount brokerages, uh, India like Zerodha or Upstocks or in US like Robinhood, they would be giving a mobile application for you and a nice trading platform for any kind of DIY investor who doesn't, who, who wishes that he doesn't have to pay that much of trading fees. He's not at all uh, worried that he doesn't have a lot of uh, investment advisory. He's confident in his own trading uh, aptitude and his uh, framework, and he uses that uh, as a mode. So. Trading platform uh, enabled by technology and low trading fees, uh, which is a culmination of having no advisory and no uh, relationship handling bit. Uh, these are the two facets, basically, which uh, make discount brokerages who they are. And that is why they're being so popular. Right. But uh, I want to jump on one of the points you mentioned there in the latter bit that uh, the difference now is that I mean, discount brokerages are there, and this is layered on top with the uh, you know millennial-friendly UX app and things like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and 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 because of it, but hasn't there been a so you mentioned for example that uh, the presumption or the ideal customer is one who doesn't need the guidance of a broker, basically, right? 
but i think we're sort of seeing the opposite effect right because these apps are so uh, friendly in terms of the ux and all of that uh, apps or websites or you know uh, however that we're actually seeing quite inexperienced um, traders come on board and people who are a lot of first time traders both zero then robinhood have actually quite expanded the market in terms of uh, first time traders right yeah so it's very true actually so i think uh, the psychology of trading is uh, almost casino like it's like the hardest place to make right. easy money as they say right uh, it's oh, the place that uh, as a individual you would feel that i do not require my college degree i do not require specializations uh, it's my place that i will be able to make real hard money uh, by doing couple of step it, it it's it's the precise reason why people who have a lot of interest in sports want to migrate to fantasy uh, sports application where they can make money because it's the one place uh, where they feel that they are going to land big bucks uh, so 75% of uh, for example zerodha's customer base would ideally be less than 35 yeah. so the user persona for uh, a zerodha would be uh, a millennial who is possibly in his first or second job is confident in his own abilities that if he learns basic level of uh, technical analysis and not fundamental bits which investors like rakesh junjunwala or warren buffett would believe in mm-hmm. not like that they would be looking at basic charts and some kind of price action and they would just go into the application and place their orders they do not want to complicate stuff uh, uh, it, it is it gives them a platform a gamification of of bits that they are able to uh, not overthink uh, place orders and uh, rely on the rely on their judgment and rely on their uh, framework that they are going to earn some money out of it and the platforms basically make their ux in such a fashion and and their entire segmentation uh, and uh, their targeting and positioning is so millennial in nature that this democratization of trading uh, has happened so very well in both american markets and indian markets indian markets less so but uh, we are moving more and more that zerodas Uh, big uh, uh, facet that they play on is that they have brought first time like six or seven million new uh, traders in the market. Yeah, riding on this. Right. So, uh, as in, uh, there are a couple of uh, great points that you had have mentioned. I, I just wanted to play it back in terms of just to understand uh, how does let's say a brokerage works, uh, and then what are the what are essentially the the revenue and cost breakups for uh, for a brokerage right uh, and then possibly we can look into how zerodha would or zerodha or robinhood in the us uh, would look at solving this problem of uh, so so robinhood went from uh, let's say charge swap was uh, wasn't free uh, till i think late last year or something like that um, and when robinhood came into the picture and then had let's say millions of users primarily millennials as you mentioned uh, coming into the platform and then trading for free um, and and that is a zero uh, uh, that's that's purely zero cost or zero margin uh, uh, brokerage right uh, so they don't don't charge you anything uh, unlike a zero the which which actually does right um, so uh, and then charge shop had to match uh, what robinhood was trying to do and then uh, obviously brought the price down for for everybody else in the in the market as well right so what did somebody like a robinhood do differently uh, and what is something somebody like a zerodha doing differently in the indian market because as i understand the uh, the regulations don't allow a zerodha to do a lot of things that maybe a robinhood can 
right? Uh, and I primarily mean in terms of uh, let's say something like a payment for uh, for order flows, uh, in which you can you can um, you can provide those uh, securities to or or. Uh, uh, you can provide the trades to or, or the orders to a third party, uh, a market maker, right? Uh, and then earn, earn some money out of uh, out of those volume sales that you can give to a market uh, market maker. Yeah, so I think a lot to unpack there. So I think I will just pick one or the two and then possibly can go ahead, I think. Sure, sure. I think yeah, we can start with Robinhood and then possibly move into Zerodha because I think uh, Zerodha is much closer to, to home. Yeah. Uh, so I think traditionally brokerages, uh, as as we earlier discussed, they're the matchmakers of your buy and sell orders to the exchanges. Uh, so they make money traditionally whenever you want to place an order. So it's as if like a convenience fee, it's like a service fee. Uh, and and that model would be uh, some percentage of, your, uh, of the value that you're placing. So if you're placing an order of 100 shares of... Uh, 100 rupees, which means a total order size of 10,000 rupees, uh, they would be charging some percentage value on the basis of that. And uh, that has been a pretty tried and tested model uh, uh, across brokerages, uh, whether discount or full service across geographies. Uh, then obviously there are some other auxiliary items like you can uh, earn interest on the income, uh, interest income on, uh, on the balances that are left of uh, your account holders with you. Uh, there is proprietary trading as well. You can trade with the money, but obviously there are regulations around it now. Uh, uh, so there had been like three or four models now, but the base model was always around earning uh, commission fees or uh, or fee income on, on the orders that you place as a trader or investor with uh, the particular brokerage house. Now, discount brokerages came into the picture and said, first of all, we are dismantling the entire uh, advisory bit, uh, which basically was an element that required a lot of investments from full brokerages and that did not allow and to recoup that cost they had to pass uh, pass on these fees to for trading so discount brokerages said that we are not going to do any kind of uh, the ria the rnd and the investment advisory stuff we are just going to keep it outside our ambit uh, that that's of the cost side of things that doesn't put a lot of pressure on your revenue side of it so then i can basically give you avenues to uh give rock bottom prices but not zero was something that has been very new and robin hood has been uh, a big player in that aspect uh, that across whether it you are doing intraday whether you are doing uh, delivery based trades which is like you buy today and you hold it everything is zero only regulatory charges like india we have SEBI taxes and GST and all that, only that has to be paid, but otherwise no trading fees. Uh, they came up with that model. And, and when you rightly said uh, Charles Schwab and Fidelity and all these guys uh, who were the original players of discount brokerages, uh, they also started slashing their price and the race to zero is like, is happening all over. So it has become almost a commoditized thing that trading fees will become zero and you have to earn by re other revenue streams. And this is where I think the second part of your question comes up with what brokerages uh, traditionally uh, the revenue streams are, and specifically when you talk about discount brokerages and and uh, Zerodha and and Robinhood in, uh, specifically. Uh, so for Robinhood, since all across their trading fees are almost rock bottom and zero, uh, a large part of it is driven by uh, trying to get interest out of uh, the deposits 
are the balances that remain of uh, traders in their team in their in their trading account uh, and there are no regulations unlike india where uh, you have to do quarterly settlement so in india uh, even if you have 500 rupees lying uh, in your trading account zerodha uh, or upstocks need to regulatorily do a quarterly settlement and need to return your 500 rupees with interest and something of that sort uh, and they earn only the quarterly interest on the basis right. of that uh in terms of other line items one for robinhood which stands out which again doesn't hold true for india is something that you touched upon uh, was the payment for order flow now this is a very controversial right. practice uh, and it, i think uh, if you ever read michael lewis's flash boys uh, the entire book is on around uh, uh, high frequency trading and uh, these dark pools and so to speak so what inherently happens is uh, and by the way robinhood makes almost 50% of their uh, of exactly. their revenue yeah yeah Right. for payment of order so uh what practically means is when you place an order with robinhood say i want to buy a stock at 20 rupees or if i want to buy a stock of xyz company uh the right way to do it and that happens in india as well is that you route that order directly to the exchanges because on the exchange somebody else a seller would be coming in and then you will be matching it on the exchange and then you will be uh, uh putting the dematerialized share uh, after settlement in the traders account uh what payment for order does is that large uh high frequency trading firms like citadel is very famous citadel the famous hedge fund also has a very large high frequency trading uh, operations as well they basically buy orders such orders from uh, robinhood so they would say that okay hey hey uh, you have got 100 orders uh, coming in like this minute i want to buy all these orders i am going to pay you for it and i am going going to do very high frequency trading for a second or a millisecond with it and trying to earn money and uh, in a way what i am helping your trader is that i am helping him with price discovery uh, the regulators and the contrarians to this would say that uh, first of all you are not sending the order to the uh, exchange and second of all we are unsure whether actually the right price discovery is happening uh it works great for robinhood and uh, uh and uh, they earned a lot of money on the basis of that uh the traders if the jury is still out whether they actually get great price discovery on it it's not allowed in india but robinhood gets a lot of income and almost as we said 50% of their income through this route uh that becomes a big big element for them uh apart from them uh you have uh loan against shares is something and margin against shares so you can basically uh for example if you are 100 rupees in your account and you want to trade but if you want to trade 200 rupees you don't have to put any extra 100 rupees your uh, uh your margin provider is your uh, broker and the broker will be taking a 100 rupees uh, uh putting the 100 rupees for you contributing towards that so that you can make it and once you are settling it the trade uh this this scheme of uh some fees on the basis of that so uh these are line items uh for zerodha obviously they continue to have some trading fees already in place for intraday orders and future and options they still have the 20 rupees flat bit and they keep earning on the basis of that and uh, 50% of all their orders are actually intraday and fno uh, so they keep making trading fees so it's not gone zero in discount brokerages in india uh it has gone rock bottom but they still earned conventionally uh by the uh, trading fee mechanism nice uh 
so actually i had one clarification uh, regarding the point about robin hood and uh, citadel and so is the contra- is it controversial because of uh, is it like controversial, controversial financially controversial or is it more so because of their branding around i mean they they called robin hood after all right and and the yeah. fact that they are anti uh, establishment or at least that's how they positioned it earlier on that day i think it's a fantastic point to make in terms of anti establishment and robin hood and i think we have seen it in sirodha's case as well uh, uh, at the heart both are tech platforms which provide easy easy financialization of savings right robin hood and sirodha so they are upstarts uh, so they are uh, up against the establishment and like every walk of life uh, if you are up against the establishment the big boys will hew and cry so whenever outages happen uh, on zerodas you can see all the internet forums reddit and zerodas own uh, forum being lashed out with traders and investors uh, with why this is happening and why this is not happening and every week this happens and every bit uh, the reality is that every major uh, trading platform whether provided by the biggest of banks including hdfc securities and icic securities also go through, go through these downtimes mm. so uh there is a perception that is garnered in conventional media and uh, and uh, big boys that uh, that does make it troublesome for zerodha and robinhood but coming uh, specifically to the point of payment for order uh i would say not this is not an establishment related point this is more of a point uh that uh, uh it is something that is more from a from a trading and uh, Uh, for a trader's moral perspective uh, it it is kind of opaque and uh, zip and robin hood and all the uh, major brokerages houses in in the us do do, do this so it's not right. limited to them everybody right. does it uh, so i i and uh, so when i when i when you make the point you can do uh, connect with this anti establishment vibe but i feel for specifically for dark room related uh, payment for order cases it is not so much to it but it is more because uh, the price discovery is opaque and you are basically saying that i am not fulfilling the moral responsibility of uh, putting your trade straight away to exchanges i am creating another layer and i am being opaque about it right and and that is as in uh, obviously dark pools uh, do serve a purpose in the sense that you want to have two institutional uh, uh, let's say investors two pension funds let's say in the us want to exchange a, a billion dollar worth of stock right uh, as in going through the dark pool is the only way they can they can do that right? Right. so going to the nyse uh, and trading yeah, a so billion dollars of ghee uh, is something that that's bound to bring down the market and and cause a lot of ripple effects right so obviously it works from a dark pool perspective so nyse yes, came out with a stat last last year that 40% of all trades actually happened uh, do not happen on the exchanges right, so right. this is very contrary to what we actually think about but 40% of trades actually get in the us implemented inside dark rooms uh citadel and the companies uh, do benefit out of it but they also pay out a lot of money to robin hood for buying these orders and robin hood justifies by saying and this is what uh, after the outage happened uh, they put a nice little blog post on their website when they say uh, payment for order allows them to pass on zero pricing to the customers at the end mm-hmm. yeah so so uh, as in just uh, taking a step back and moving to something like a zerodha uh, and and robinhood as well uh, 
so you mentioned that inherently they are tech first platforms right so which which they are right they have been yes. uh, as zillow has been there for about 10 odd years now as more than 10 years i guess um but um, uh, if if i have to be a devil's advocate here um i uh, apart from let's say the hassle free experience and possibly some better integrations and so on uh what is the tech part that makes zero the stand apart from let's say regular brokerage obviously regular brokerages uh, like uh, like an icic securities or sgc securities would have legacy issues in their technology and everything uh but is there a differentiator or is there a differentiability there for uh, a zero the versus let's say a new company that you and i want to start up i think uh, from a market acquisition perspective uh, zerodhar relied on the fact and and nitin kamat the founder and ceo of zerodhar claims that uh, they have not spent they have not spent any money on marketing and advertising uh, it's all word of mouth and 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 partly because uh, the word of mouth spreads in india as a value conscious market not because you have inherently great technology platform but more because uh, you are offering rock bottom trading fees uh, which lot of traders and uh, investors in india were not very happy but it was kind of uh, an accepted fact that if you want to trade in the market uh, with so little depth like india's uh, you got to pay whatever fees you want to pay so i am of the opinion that uh, the initial bout of uh, customers that came to zerodha uh, did flock from the the uh, from the customer base that we discuss and under 35 uh, uh, it city uh, millennial first time office goer and salary earner uh, but it was more because of value rather than technology once they got onto the platform they started realizing the great ui and the gamification of trading if if trading is made so easy for you uh, that you just have to put couple of charts if you want to put a couple of uh, bollinger bands or anything of that sort and uh, you can just click a single click and you get buy and you get an instant notification that your stock is bought unlike traditional brokerages which still rely very heavily on calling your broker and placing an order uh, it does make it easy and it increases the stickiness of it uh, now the other part of this entire table is the back end of it now you can have great ui and great ux and uh, and great front end experience and a gamified model for your traders but if your orders are uh, executed like 1 minute or 2 minutes down the line uh, which is a uh, which is a little bit off ideally it doesn't happen anywhere but uh, just for argument sake uh, it doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose zerodha that way and this is where i think nitin kamath's own trading experience comes into the picture when they focus very heavily upon creating a great uh compliance backend and order execution systems which even though suffers a lot of outages and it creates a lot of you uh, and cry on the media uh but it does do a lot of uptime uh in a in a very efficient fashion also parallelly i feel that uh, zerodha has developed a lot of great ecosystem offers around it uh their varsity program is a huge hit amongst new trading learners and investment learners where they can post queries and get a lot of answers and read blog posts around it and learn trading as well uh they have tried a lot of integrations with a new age startups coming from bangalore uh which makes it easy for you to do a lot of option trading and do a lot of technical analysis and a lot of screeners in which you can screen out a lot of things so uh, 
I would say a combination of great order execution, which has taken five or six years of it. Now it has gained trust because at the end of the day, in any BFSI in uh, space with uh, whether it's banking, financial services, insurance or wealth management, ultimately you have to earn the trust of the customer. Now, in the four or five years, they have developed a reputation of quick order execution, uh, great front end, as we as we all agree, and that holds true for Robinhood as well. Uh, it has given a customer stickiness, and that's the reason that uh, they have almost, uh, I think, close to 2 million accounts. They are the largest account holders in the country, even though the AUMs might not be very high because uh, they do not have banking relationships with the customers. But 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 traders continue to trust with them and specifically the millennial population which is still a very fickle population and always looking for value but uh, uh till now uh, the stickiness is still there and in an interesting and that's actually very well put uh, an interesting uh, follow up on what the second part of what achit said that suppose you and i were to start um, uh, a, a brokerage you know, uh, company today would would we have a better shot at it or uh, comparable shot to zero there right and that's interesting right so so that's what so 10 years ago i mean zero the must have been rare in the sense that it's probably the only discount brokerage with a product and design team right compared to yes and i and i've seen this firsthand because my father i think he started trading right around after the recession like 2009 10 around then and he'd been through a series of brokers right and he he'd faced these very strange bugs and you know and anybody in customer service would never get it and you know they're really clunky and badly designed and all that so and he's never had any of those issues with zero there right and zero zero there's actually the first one where you can tell that a tech company with an actual product and design team built this right yeah uh, absolutely right and if i want to touch further upon that if if uh, if uh, we want to start a a tech first brokerage discount brokerage firm uh, uh, the the back end is complicated the back end is not easy to execute uh, you can have a great design team and have a great front end which is a gamified platform which a lot of uh, folks do attempt and continue to attempt in the market uh, but more importantly from a business perspective it requires a lot of trust uh, for you to develop uh, to get lots of accounts uh, you have to bear in mind that india is still a very shallow market when it comes to trading uh, i have to give some stats around it i think uh, our uh, mutual fund to gdp is abysmally low uh, our retail participation is abysmally low there are only 6 to 7 million uh, active participants in the trading market and if, if and if these active traders already have an account established with them and they are comfortable with that uh, you have to look at new acquisition and new acquisition is costly it takes time it takes education and zeroda has built that ecosystem around in the last 6 or 7 years and then you have to also compete with full brokerages in which you have banking relationship with them so as a new shop if you enter uh, it takes time uh, you can surely disrupt and that is why the new entrants in the market we hear about are uh, our players we already have some kind of a relationship with the customer like paytm paytm money uh, you got it but uh, for a new upstart to come in you can acquire a certain customer base and client uh but to reach a critical mass and go for the next bout of it uh it's very difficult and kudos to zeroda bootstrap uh, firm they have done immensely good on this one i think a great example of one there is actually upstocks right so upstocks is actually uh it's the more traditional I mean, not traditional but um 
the more quintessential you know well funded startup it's raised uh, raised like good money from and it's backed by tiger and kalari and all that so it's what you think of as the as the quintessential upstart disruptor uh but it it only has and 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 it's been around for like 3 years 3 4 years now but i think it's it's still at like a million uh, it's only a tenth of the scale of zerodha yeah so i think uh, the the beauty about uh, zerodha's and i i might sound as a evangelist of zerodha uh, but uh, the beauty of it is it's almost uh, it's beautiful in a way that uh, a bootstrapped indian tech company can flourish and uh, right. still be able to find maneuvers available to them even due to such a constrained regulatory landscape for them to make money but they still have uh, the the fight in them to take on any kind of uh, players that might come into the market which are vc funded like upstocks or in the potential future if et money and paytm money want to get into the stock broking game Right. right, right. Of course, um, as in for, from what I understand of this market, I think it's uh, uh, it's still there's a lot of market that needs to be captured. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, that uh, the number of users uh, who are uh, onto the platform are, uh, or, or or into trading is abysmally low, right? From a detailed perspective, uh, and I guess I, I guess we missed that part uh, when we were discussing the business models and everything. Uh, but zero that does make a lot of money through uh, your intraday and FNO trading. Yeah, 50%. That's that's what you said. I think the number that you had quoted before the and, podcast. And their seventy-five percent revenues actually come from mobile trading, which is which is amazing, right? Which is which is what uh, it's supposed to be post two thousand nine post recession and in the whole new smartphone world. Uh, I think it was expected that uh, some company like zero the would come in uh, and uh, and ease out the entire experience into it. Uh, which is which is which is a which is a fantastic story, right? Uh, as in even going forward with uh, uh, with their investments uh, through through the firm uh, through the the, the Rain Matter Fund, right? Uh, which was something that we were discussing before as well. Yeah, so I think uh, as I said earlier, Abhun, I think they are they are they are creating that ecosystem. So that's kind of a that's kind of a mode that they are trying to build in a way uh, that we are going to cater from. We do, we might not have an investment advisory and uh, desk for us, but we will have a varsity which will provide educational training and investment training to people who want to learn more about trading investing. Uh, they have options trading platform as well. They they are now uh, investing into small case, which is a very popular product now in India, uh, in which you can do thematic investing. Uh, those are very interesting things they are doing, and they are and they are building moats around it. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. There have been talks around uh, global equity investing and possibly crypto, which Robinhood does. In fact, uh, whether they can do it, a uh, lot of interesting action taking around this place, and uh, I think uh, it it will be an interesting space to watch. Yep, that's true. I think Rain Matter in particular is quite fascinating because, as you said, uh, rather than taking the old route of uh, being an advisor and adding services that they do themselves. You've sort of become like a platform, so not all of them are directly tied into Zerodha. Some of them are just investments. But yeah, so Finch, I think their recent uh, investment in Finshots, yeah, the Finception-based yeah. newsletter. This, these are all just to uh, just to get themselves into the minds of possibly new investors and traders true. coming out of colleges and all that. So they want to be the first brand name in their mind. True, true. But, but I'm saying uh, some of the others are actually. 
like for example small case started off with solely zero the login and that was true of balance as well and as well as um, i think there was another one um, quicko again was a tax thing that had you could like directly log in with zero the and you know and file your taxes so a lot of these are very platformish sort of you know integrations so which is a really clever thing to do um, so it's not just the, it's not just the tech in terms of how you structure it but even the strategy right yes uh, as you said that um, you start thinking in terms of you know integrations and you know getting yes. partners on board and things like that which is quite cool uh i think that's a pretty good discussion uh, achut anything else you wanted to add uh, nothing as in as in we usually get into the, these discussions as in with with uh, shopify spotify and all those amazons and so on right uh, on the founders mentality uh and uh, which is something that uh, at least if we can discuss for a couple of minutes with somebody like anitin kamat who really has uh, and whenever you hear him talk or uh, or, or whatever right um then uh, you you do see a person who has the best interest of uh, let's say retail investors in mind because because he has been doing that right he was doing that yes. before before the crash and everything right uh, and that is a philosophy that flows into uh, into the whole business and the approach that zero the has right the diversity and with with the platform uh, with the ease of use as, as well as the as the rain matter fund as you rightly pointed out yeah yes so i think uh, he Nitin himself says that uh, he was lucky to be surrounded by in a Marwadi colony in uh, in Bangalore that he somehow stumbled upon stocks and 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 his interest uh, peaked from there. Uh, so that itself answers the question that why India India's market is shallow because it's more uh, stock trading is still looked not looked in the same fashion as possibly the more quote unquote honorary or honorable uh, professions in the country they are trying to change that and and this is where their uh, ecosystem is trying to do a lot of things around and uh, if you draw parallels uh, parallel with uh, robinhood uh, it's the same thing robinhood the name says everything they are democratizing trading and that is where their intentions lie right yeah that's actually very well put uh i think we can actually round that out i think It's actually a good way to uh, end that round of the discussion. Actually, I think we can go really deep on this. We should probably uh, maybe take up one of these companies individually also later on, uh, and look at it more from a company perspective as well. Um, right. I I don't think we'll we'll pick up Charles Schwab, <laughs> but but let's pick up. Uh, Robinhood is making a lot of news uh, because yeah, of yeah, yeah. And, and, there's a lot of cultural stuff also we can discuss, like especially with like Robinhood. Some of the stuff we're seeing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I saw this phrase somewhere. I think on Bloomberg, like the rise of a TikTok trader. So uh, because of something that happened last month, I forgot. Or the backlash of uh, the millennials. I think so the backlash of the millennials. Right? So there's a lot of um, cultural and strategic stuff also that you can discuss that perhaps you didn't touch on as much this time. But um, right. But yeah, this is a good. Uh, I think I guess before we close, then uh, we should do our content recommendations. So Achyut Suresh, what have you been reading or listening or consuming that you would like to recommend? Okay, let's start with with uh, Suresh. Yeah. Uh, okay, so content. I think if if you are a history buff and a World War Two buff, I think uh, we have all heard about the Nuremberg trials that happened uh, after the Nazi Germany collapse and all. But not a lot of people are actually aware about what happened in the Far East, where a lot of things happened and all. And Tokyo trials is something of a great docu series on Netflix, which I watched 
this weekend uh, it has it stars irfan khan so it was something that i really wow. wanted to watch and it's and it's a very decent watch about how jurisprudence is done how even in in in, in a very uh, bad way but an open and shut case can also have so many nuances to it so that was a great watch uh, i read a great article which i tweeted about i think it was the gospel according to peter thiel uh, i think uh, it just it just says that anything that is going around or a major shift is happening in the american landscape whether it's politics silicon valley or economy you can always find uh, uh, peter thiel somehow associated with it so it's a fantastic article it's a long read so this is the, the david perel 15000 word one yeah it's so i actually got it from david perel's uh, monday newsletter uh, so i i got it from there which which was also part of robert cotrell's uh, the browser which we have often spoken about before yeah it, it's a great read uh, yeah. from that aspect so I yeah so these are the david perel is what i meant i think if i'm not wrong so yeah these two yeah achit you yeah so uh, one one uh, slightly off track recommendation that i have is i have been reading a lot of um, uh, satyajit ray of late oh, uh, wow. so i, I was i was uh, it's it's not it's not uh, feluda or anything like that but uh, i i was at home and i found a uh, let's say a collection of short stories i think it's a penguin book or something uh, which were translated in from bengali by by some lady i don't remember the author's name but um, it's a fascinating book with around 15 odd uh, uh, short stories uh, that that he wrote as part of his spare time i guess they were most of them were not published uh, some of them were translated for the first time in english as part of this book Nice. but uh, yeah it's 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 fascinating and it's a, it's a lovely read uh, i haven't read the other books the more famous ones like feluda and everything mm-hmm. but uh, uh, but the stories particularly coming in from a filmmaker like satyajit ray uh, the stories are uh, pretty gripping and uh, obviously they do have a let's say a <clears throat> a horror or a science fiction element to it uh, nice. which makes it more interesting uh, so that's that's one interesting book i picked up as in i wanted to read fiction for some time uh, but yeah i got chance to 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 read that as well uh, there is this other recommendation which was uh, there was this article that i read in the morning today itself uh, it's on the observer effect which was started by right. shri ramkrishna i think there are three shri ramkrishnas but <laughs> the one who was <laughs> but uh, yeah so uh, he interviewed mark anderson and there are a lot of interesting pointers uh, particularly fitting very well with the discussion that we have had over the last couple of podcasts with uh, uh, with uh, themes coming in from Andy Grove's books uh, mm-hmm. themes coming in from Peter Drucker's uh, uh, both managing oneself as well as uh, what you mentioned about the effective executive right yeah. um, so that is uh, that is another must kind of a, a recommended article as i mentioned i do try to consume everything that comes across from hey. from market right so yeah. Maybe you, you share it on our uh, on our Twitter as well in the morning. I did, I have already shared. Yeah, we have already shared. It was a great read, actually. It really was uh, worth it. Uh, for me, I haven't been reading much non uh, much tech or strategy stuff of late. Uh, been doing a lot of fiction. One recommendation, one thing I would recommend is um, on Audible. You find uh, I have found that there are these BBC Radio Four um, plays, uh, effectively, which are uh, dramatizations of books. So. Nice. Uh, and they've been like quite 
it's been quite amazing actually so i, I picked up uh, a suitable boy by vikram seth and uh, this is a really long book that i don't really ever plan to read uh, but listening to a full cast dramatization <clears throat> excuse me is like watching a netflix show but without the video it's 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 amazing the the level of detail uh, that's gone into it there are like old hindi songs that play in the background and you know you can hear some sabzi wala walking so every scene is literally staged but entirely on sound great uh, right. it's just fascinating and I, and so I, i actually so after that i also saved um, or bought uh, midnight children because that's another book that i probably don't plan to read but if it's done this well in an indian setting it'd be great to read and there's there's tons of them there's even war and peace and uh, a lot of popular novels pride and prejudice so literally like watching a uh, and, and i was talking to my father about this and he's like yeah when, when like when we were kids on ar you'd have these weekly plays like this right because there was no tv at that time right uh, this is like the production values are are at another level and it really sort of brings a book to life in a way that's that was wholly unexpected for me and i would highly recommend uh, search just just go to audible and search for bbc radio 4 and pick a book that um, i think that's interesting i think because i recently came across a recommendation of james choice's ulysses which i would never right. read but it has cleared ins brian cox uh, the famous physicist and, and stephen colbert uh, doing a lot of uh, voice overs and lot of production value attached in terms of sound effects so it makes the entire uh, listening experience amazingly well i also want to give a try and thanks ck for the really cool I, I'll actually check out Ulysses as well. I think this category of books of uh, which you know, which uh, really famous, but I don't plan to read because it's too intimidating. I think this is a good way of sort of consuming it. Lisa, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was actually looking out for for recommendations on Audible. Uh, I haven't uh, tried out any Audible book yet. Uh, so, so the first one, somebody somebody recommended. Uh, listening to uh, bob iger's new book um, but i th- i think it's much better to pick up a, a let's say classic than uh, a non fiction work on on disney right right uh, so yeah that's 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 something that let me let me let me look into this uh, recommendation these are these are useful because uh, like most books are actually good 10 15 20 hours but uh, these are all like 4 5 hours because they're they're uh, structured as like plays right so Right. Uh, so the, I mean, they, they work for the category. So War and Peace, for example, I'm never going to get around reading it, but sure. maybe seven seven hour uh, sh- uh, audio dramatization. So I'm yeah. going to probably take that over the book. But how do, how do you handle that? In one, I, I guess we are overshooting. Uh, but how do you how do you guys handle the distraction that is there uh, while listening to uh, either a podcast or uh, or an audio book would take let's say seven to eight hours, right, on an average. uh so what about the distraction how do you how do you any hacks for handling that uh so i am very poor at uh, actually uh, trying to multitask and listening to something so my podcast and audio books is uh, one hour before i go to sleep so if it's a seven hour book uh, which i have done i have done a four and a half hour recently with uh, uh, heming hemingway's old men in the sea and i did like nice. five five nights one hour each and Just finish it off. I can't do multitasking. Pretty bad at that. Uh, I think I think that's actually a good one. Like uh, so, I what I do is I don't listen to audio often enough, but I seem to not have that problem because I don't pretend that I can multitask. So I really just sit down and listen, or I walk around. Walking around, I, f- I found really helps. It's similar with yes. phone calls as well, right? Walking around, sort yeah. of. Um, so even if you're the kind of restless person that I am, it sort of gets uh, energy gets expended by walking. so rather than you know trying to read something else while you're listening 
um so that's something that i found helps but i do wish i, I do think i should listen to more audio i i, I mean till now i've never really caught on to audiobooks but this right. this bbc thing sort of worked out so uh i don't know if i can actually do entire audiobooks i've tried audiobooks themselves before they like, haven't really caught on to them because i felt like i can read faster so uh i i, I think you you uh, last year you went through sapiens if i'm not wrong Right, right, and, and I dropped dropped it after two chapters or something. Right? No, I think Sapiens <laughs> is uh, possibly not a book to listen. I think it will be easily to read. And I think Old Man in the Sea was one example in which a monotonous voice of a sixty-year-old trying to tell me I would doze off every thirty minutes listening to it. <laughs> so I think there. I think this is a very interesting study that which kind of books are meant to be read and which kind of book you can only listen. uh and i think i think having a great production value attached to multiple voice overs and uh, sound effects i think can be a can be a huge disruptor and i i feel a lot of these uh, large books and uh, plays and all it's pretty interesting and and i'm i'm sure to try this out for sure to be clear though uh, and a lot of these bbc radio ones uh, radio plays have uh, negative reviews because people are like this is not the entire book right because they're actually there are adapted versions yeah. yeah they are they are audio adaptations that uh, essentially so a lot of people download them to hear the audio book and then they're disappointed so lord of the rings for example if you go and check uh, the actual audio books aren't there they're only uh, the play adaptations and there's a bunch of negative reviews saying that you know this is not the book um so yeah i think be prepared for what your what you're getting i guess i i think that's primarily the bbc audience uh, uh, <laughs> taking a very snobbish view at series uh, <laughs> and books right uh, true very true uh well it's interesting this is, i think this is probably the first time i've had uh, mostly like you know fiction recommendations uh, which yeah is, across the board <laughs> which yeah. is which is very interesting you know like non non tech non strategy recommendations so anyway so yeah i think that's a that's a wrap uh this has been fun actually uh so yes thanks so much for taking out the time for this it's fun uh, likewise yeah and and i think we sort of uh delved into a topic that we normally may not have picked so that was great uh, for us as well so uh take care everyone i think stay safe uh, achut any last words uh nothing thanks thanks uh, thanks singer for for taking your time uh, I, i i would just correct your statement uh, chatanya that we would have been it, it would have been a fairly embarrassing podcast if we tried to <laughs> take up a fintech uh, fintech startup and try to analyze that i don't think that is something that we can do at least at least i i i am never to do that so not yeah yet. thanks not, not yet um, yeah <laughs> uh but uh, yeah thanks thanks again uh, singer for the time and uh, thanks everybody for listening 